0: Through the passion, the suffering, and death of Jesus on the cross, God revealed to us an unconditional love. Paul tells us in Romans 5 that it was while we were yet sinners, um, Christ died for us. It's an unconditional love that he's poured out upon us. Now, the thing about an unconditional love that's given that freely and that willingly It calls for a response of some kind. And the best response that we can give is our unconditional love back to him. So Jesus died on the cross. He took that suffering. He took upon himself the consequences of your sin and mine. And more than that, he took upon himself the power of the sin in our life and he de- defeated it and destroyed it forever so what does that mean for you and for me and how do we respond day by day to such an incredible gift that he's given to us in the book of Lamentations chapter 1 it's a lament a lament A funeral song. It is a grieving of Jeremiah over the destruction of Jerusalem. And he is a man who experienced it. He went through it. And he saw this people, who he knew to be God's chosen instrument, reject God and his call, even to the point of death, refusing to heed the call to repentance and come back to know him. Now the point of God's grace is that God's grace is freely given but it's given at great price and great cost. The death of Jesus, his son. And it's a precious gift. Probably the most precious gift that the world will ever know. And if that grace, that love is rejected then all that's left is the judgment. And we choose whether we're going to walk in grace or walk in judgment. The people of Jerusalem chose to walk in judgment and they were destroyed completely and utterly broken, defeated. Um, Outside they were the Babylonian army was killing people inside there was disease and death privation starvation um and then the army that was outside came inside and completed the operation and Jeremiah's heart was broken because he knew that it didn't have to be that way it was an unnecessary thing pride is a very vicious thing Uh, Pride is the thing that destroyed Adam and Eve in the garden. And it's the thing that destroys us as well. So in his grieving and the brokenheartedness of Jeremiah, he writes these five laments. They're five separate poems. And they're the outpouring of a broken heart. Um, And what he does is he personifies Jerusalem as having received God's judgment upon themselves, And I want to read verse 12 of Lamentations chapter 1. And he's talking, it's Jerusalem who's talking, but I'd like us to make an application or an interpretation here this morning. And I would like to put this in the mouth of Jesus hanging on the cross. Are you with me on this? Because he took upon himself the judgment that was due you and I. And I think if the Lord would have a word for us today, this would be it. And like many of, many of the things that God does, when he confronts us in our sin and in our pride and rebellion, he doesn't accuse, he doesn't condemn, he asks a question. I think this is the question that he would ask us today. As Christian people, uh, what does the death of Jesus Christ on the cross mean to you and I on a daily basis? The unconditional love that flows through him to cover our sin. This is the question that's being asked. Lamentations chapter 1 verse 12. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by, Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow which was brought upon me which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. It's a good question for us in the church to ask ourselves today. Is it nothing to you, to me, all of us who pass by the crucifixion and death of Jesus Christ? Him taking your place and my place? It's a good question. In Matthew chapter 22, and there's a parallel account in Luke 14. In Matthew 22, there's a parable of the wedding feast, and it shows the response of many of us to the call of God through his Son. Matthew 22, starting with verse 2. This is the parable of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Remember, Jesus is the son of God. And he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. Now, it's not like he's asking him to do any hard task, is it? Or to come to some thing that would be unpleasant or, or not. a? This is the king. The king is giving you and me a personal invitation. You are the chosen ones. You are the ones invited to share in this great celebration. The prince, the son of God, his wedding day, come and celebrate with us. And they refused to come. But they paid no attention that's another word for saying they ignored it now it's one thing to actively oppose something and there were those who are actively hatefully maliciously opposing Jesus at every point in his life but it's a worse slap in the face when you just ignore it it's not even worth a response is it nothing to you all you who pass by Christ died for you and for me what is our response to that well they paid no attention and went off one to his farm another to his business while the rest seized his servants treated them shamefully and killed them the king was angry. He sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And then he went and got other people. So many of us in the church like to say, well, we are, have taken Israel's place. You know, we are the chosen ones. Well, yeah. Which means that the response from us should be instantaneous, shouldn't God has chosen you. God has called you. He's chosen us. What is our response to being chosen? Well, we got all kinds of good excuses. In Luke's account, in chapter 14, verses 16 through 24, They was this banquet. They began to make Excuses. Does this sound familiar? Well, there's reasons why I don't, you know. The first said to him, Well, I've bought a field, and I must go out and see it. You've got an invitation to eat with a king. <laughs> well, I need to go look at this field out here. Okay. Please have me excused. Another said, I've bought five yokes of oxen, and I go to examine them. please. Have me excused. You know, I got to go look at this cow. Another said, I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. I don't know why she's keeping him from going. Uh And so we have this kind of a response oftentimes um, as we go through our daily life. You know, we know that Christ has died for us, and we're glad, we're grateful, we accept that. Our sins have been forgiven. But when Monday comes along, or Thursday, or Friday, you know, uh, there's a lot of things to do. There's a lot going on. And, um, uh, you know, Lord, I just don't have time for you right now. In Isaiah, God says that that his people had become weary with God. That's a a startling statement. People, God's people, because He's writing to the Hebrew people, God's people have become weary with God. So are we? Do we become weary with God, Lord? I'm tired of this. Just leave me alone right now. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm busy. I've got things to do. There are things on my mind. There are issues I have to deal with. Come on, Lord, give me a break. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? He took all that weight. You don't have to carry it. He lifted the burden you don't have to be weighed down with those things he's erased the shame becoming a shame himself for you and for me and we don't have to live there anymore this is one of the themes in the book of Hebrews as we've been studying it on Tuesday nights and it's a thing that he comes back to several times I want to look at just a couple of them uh, briefly this morning. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And so we know that. That's our Old Testament. Uh, That's even the beginning of the New with John the Baptist. Um, People like Simeon and Anna. But... In these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So God has given us a greater privilege than the people of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament they had prophets, messengers, servants of the Lord, Uh, people called and anointed to be the bearers of the good news, to be the incarnation of God's word in their day and time. But we on this side of the cross, we have a greater revelation, a more clear revelation, one that cannot be ignored. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. God has spoken so clearly through him. And we can't say we don't understand because the word became flesh and walked among us. And God says, this is my will for you to live in this way. Hebrews chapter 2 picks up this statement. And he says, Therefore, because God has spoken so clearly through the prophets and now much more through his Son, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. Left through neglect, or through busyness, or through diversions of various kinds. We, it's not an open rebellion, is it? It's just kind of uh, drifting along. Lord, I don't have time this morning. I'll catch you tomorrow. Well, Lord, I don't have time this morning either. I'll catch you tomorrow. And we just kind of find ourselves waking up one time, and we're in great need, and we're looking around, and we're saying, where did the Lord go? Well, he hasn't gone anywhere. It's we who have gone away. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, "Look, we need to be careful here. We need to pay more attention to this. Um, Jesus said the same thing in the Gospel of Mark, chapter four, and he's wanting us to understand the issues that's involved here in Mark chapter four, verse 24 and 25. Pay attention. To what you hear. That's Jesus. Saying to you and me. Pay attention. You know sometimes when people talk. um, If you're a student. You know what I'm talking about. It goes in one ear and one one out the other. You know. You hear the words. (laughs) But they they don't really stop. They're just passing through. And. uh, Hour after class. uh, What did you learn today? Uh. Let me see. What? I know it was important. <laughs> so Jesus says, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the, to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. sometimes when I'm studying the scriptures the Lord speaks to me and he, he gives me an insight into something and it's like a eureka moment you know the light comes on and I see it and I understand it and um, then I go on to something else and I know it's important and it's, it changes my whole way of looking at something and um, later on I'll be thinking about it and said yeah I was going to write that down and I stop and I think What was it he showed me? I I know it was important and it was a tremendous insight and it helped me, and but what? Where was that at? (laughs) You know, it's that kind of a thing. Pay attention, because if you don't stop, for me, write it down. If I write it down, I've got it. Uh, But if I don't do that, um it slips away if I can't find something to write I have to consciously stop and think I need to remember this and then most of the time I can remember it when I get to a place where I can write it down but it has to be for me a conscious effort or I lose it and to me Jesus is talking to me here pay attention to what you've heard Uh, This is something that's for your benefit. It will make you a better person. It will help you in the days ahead. And it's telling you, not just for information, but so that word can come deep down within. It's not just to remember what he said, but put it into practice. Because that's that's why the word was given. To be lived out. So if we don't, he says... Even what we seem to have will be taken away from us. Now, he said this not just in Mark, but he said it several times in Isaiah, Jeremiah. He's consistently saying words like this. So it's the kind of thing that we pay attention to it because it is our life. That's what God said through Moses in Deuteronomy. Pay attention to these words. They're not just words for you. They are your life. And Jesus said the same thing, didn't he? We do not live by bread alone. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Now there's a lot of words in the world today. We are bombarded with words. And it's not a a matter of finding words. It's a matter of finding the silence to be able to think about the words. You know, that's the thing. And the thing that's important, and I think about this sometimes when I go to the Lord in prayer, uh, I do a lot of talking. And I need to do a lot of listening. Because everything I say to the Lord, He already knows. But I need to hear from Him. And one word from God is more important than all of the words I will ever speak combined and put together. Because his word is life. And it changes. It changes us. So we need to pay attention to what we've heard. Back to Hebrews. We must pay closer attention to what we've heard lest we drift away For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, because it's God's word, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, hence lamentations. How shall we, he's writing to the church, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Is it nothing to you who pass by? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. How shall we escape if we neglect, not rebel, just neglect, ignore, as if it was never spoken? He says it once more a couple of times but we'll just look at one more in Hebrews chapter 12 toward the end of the book he's been talking about um, chapter 11 is this great chapter on faith and he gives all these uh, great heroes and heroines of the faith men and women who Um, called by God he begins there with Abel and he lists a bunch of them and he talks about them in chapter 12 he starts out since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses all those mentioned in chapter 11 and more let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely let us run with endurance the race set before us looking to Jesus The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And he's there interceding for you and for me. And then he talks about the discipline of God. It's not a pleasant reading, but one that's important and valuable for us. And he talks about how, through God's discipline, he treats us as his children. And toward the end of the chapter, chapter 12, he begins to make a comparison with Mount Sinai. And he talks about how God revealed himself there at Mount Sinai, and um, how God spoke, and the mountain was trembling and shaking, and there was fire and smoke, um, there was a trumpet there was all kinds of things going on and it just scared those people to death and verse 21 so terrifying was the sight that Moses said I tremble with fear and so you remember that they asked that they not hear that voice anymore lest they die so God has spoken a little more clearly a little more gently through his son and so Jesus becomes a mediator of a new covenant that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel then he says in verse 25 see that you do not refuse him who is speaking is it nothing to you all ye that pass by If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that can be shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. That's the kingdom of God. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. So it's an invitation. And because of his grace and mercy, the door that no one can close is still open through the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross is that door. And Jesus continues to speak to us, inviting us to come, inviting us to stand at the foot of the cross and understand this was for me. Not just 2,000 years ago, this was for me today and every day. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Isaiah sums it up for us very clearly. When he says all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, a sheep doesn't wake up one day and look at the shepherd and say, "I don't want you to be my shepherd anymore." and I'm tired of hanging around with all these other sheep I'm going to go over here to this other pasture by myself and eat there because it looks like it's better food over there I'm just going to go over there he doesn't do that, does he? sheep wakes up he's there with the rest of the flock he's there, shepherd's watching over him he's at peace, he's secure because shepherd's there and he just but he puts his head down and he just starts eating and it's not that he's intentionally being rebellious are intensely running away, he just neglect where he is. he 's not looking around, he 's just, Man, this is good grass right here, and good food over here, and I look over there, it 's another, and he just kind of drifts away, you know. He just ignores what 's going on behind him, what 's going on around him. it's me and my stomach, and i 'm just doing great here, <laughs> and he just kind of wanders away. And that's what Isaiah is talking about. Uh, Hebrews, let it drift away. Um, Ignore. Do not pay attention. Refuse to hear. Do not stop and think about what God is doing and what he's saying. Because the blessing and the joy is unbelievable. And notice that, what it said about Jesus on the cross. For the joy set before him there was no joy on that cross let me tell you but he knew that that was coming and it's coming not just for him but for you and I but the way to that the way of access is through the cross so Jesus asks us a question it's one that we need to keep in mind not just on Easter Sunday or Good Friday or Monday Thursday But I think it's a a question that when we're faced with temptation, when we're faced with crisis, when we're um, tempted to despair or to fear or to give in to our things, the the sins, Hebrews says, which so easily cling to us, that we need to ask ourselves, is it nothing to you that Jesus died for you and for me? Let us pray. Father, we confess that too often we have neglected and we have just been content as Christian people just to let things slip or to to drift away or to turn our eyes away from you and go our own way. And Lord, that's the reason that you died. Pray, Father, that you would forgive us anew and afresh, cleanse us anew and afresh, help us like the prodigal son, to wake up and realize all that we've left behind. And we thank you for the knowledge that as we turn, that's repentance and come back to you, that you will find you looking for us, telling us welcome home. We pray, Father, that you would work that within us today as we seek to know you in a deeper and closer way. Help us to be ever mindful, Lord, of your grace, which is available to every one of us in each situation that we find ourselves. And help us, Lord, to look to you and receive that grace in our time of need and struggle, in our time of praise and thanksgiving, in our time of rejoicing over victories that you alone have given. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to communion this morning, I just want us to remind us of Luke chapter 24, verse 35. This is the uh, two disciples on the road to Emmaus after, on that first resurrection day. Uh, Jesus has risen from the dead. They're, they're having a hard time with that. And um, oftentimes people say, you know, I wish I lived back in those days and all that. Let me tell you, it was not any easier for them. It was not any easier for them. They saw and they understood and they knew what crucifixion was. They had seen it many times and we're going to see it again. Um, and they knew the finality of what they had seen and witnessed. And yet... Um, The witness of the resurrection, the reports of the empty tomb, it seemed like people in a dream. And they were struggling with that. Their own doubts, their own fears, their own confusion. And as Jesus was walking with them, they didn't even recognize him. Number one, they weren't looking for him, they weren't expecting him. They were so far wrapped up in the problems that they faced in their confusion, in their doubts that they didn't even recognize that Jesus himself, risen from the dead, victorious, was standing right with them and walking with them and talking with them, sharing their burden. And he began to teach them from the word and their hearts began to come alive again. They still didn't know who he was. But as they walked toward the close of the day, They came to their destination to Emmaus and Jesus made as if he was going to continue the journey but their hearts were coming alive and they asked him please come and stay come to our house and Jesus always answers those invitations he always comes where he's invited come to our house And, you know, hindsight is a great thing, isn't it? Jesus sat down, he took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it. And their eyes were open, they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Now, it was a different thing, wasn't it? Now they were so energized, so alive, so filled with his presence and the joy that they had understood Jesus risen from the dead that regardless of the hour, regardless of the danger, they got up right then and went back that long journey that they had just taken. It was a different trip, wasn't it? Uh, That first walk out took forever. This didn't take much at all because they wanted to share. They had to share what had happened. So it's only in hindsight that the believers realize who had been walking with them. I think we'll find that's true in our life as well. We can pause and reflect this morning on the week past. It may have been a hectic week, may have been overwhelming. But this morning, in communion with other believers, sharing the bread and the wine of Christ's presence can help us see Jesus' presence in our past week. Once we recognize Jesus' presence, we can turn back to our daily lives, assured of who walks with us. So this morning, may we become more attuned to the many ways that Christ reveals His presence to us on a daily basis. Because if we look to Jesus and we go away and ignore and forget, then we miss the revelation. And we miss the companionship. And we miss the life that's imparted to us. He's been with us this past week. We can stop and we can think back. And that gives us hope and assurance for this coming week. So all of that is possible because on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, Take, eat, this is my body and it is broken for you. After supper he took the cup and after he had given thanks he gave it to his disciples saying each of you drink from this cup. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. It's shed for you and for many. It's for the forgiveness of sins. Have we forgotten? Have we forgotten? It's for the forgiveness of sins. It's the bread of the presence. Um, I was looking uh, this last week, and I was I was thinking about the plans and purposes of God. The Hebrew word for the plans and purposes of God is the same word for the showbread, the bread of the presence. Jesus is God's purpose and plan for you and for me. He invites us to come and to meet Him anew and afresh. So will those who are serving communion please come forward.